you can run, but you can't hide. That's what I would call is the, the first chapter of the book of Jonah. It appears in the, the prophetic literature of the Old Testament. Jonah is a prophet, and it tells us in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, and it says, Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, preach against it, because their evil has come up before me. Kind of sets the stage for the whole book, this, this beginning two verses. Jonah is a prophet. He has had a successful ministry. His first message that he received was a message of prosperity that was given to, to the northern kingdom. And it was a, it was, it was a positive message. It was a feel-good message. It, it, it gave him popularity. It, it increased the, you know, the kind of the, the collateral that he had you know, in, as a prophet. I mean, it was very, very positive. And then God sends him this message. The word of the Lord happened to him. It, it appeared. It came to him. And, and it's very clear what he's supposed to do. Get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their wickedness has confronted me, has come up before me. I'm aware of this. You know, Assyria is this rising power in the 8th century B.C. And, and everyone knows it. They're in modern-day Iraq, the city of Nineveh lives there and and the, and the Assyrians would go and capture cities, and they would, they would leave behind a, just a reminder of how vicious and voracious they were. Oftentimes, that would be a, a pyramid of skulls outside the gate, just to remind everyone, hey, this is what happens when you don't submit to the Assyrians. Other times, they would take their vanquished prisoner, conquest people, and they would pierce them on top of posts and leave them there as a signpost to everyone. This is what happens when you resist the Assyrians. Those that they captured, they often would, would take them and, and fish hooks in their lips and tie that fish hook to the, to the ankle of the person in front of them and they would, they would lead you out into, the, into captivity and, and to disperse you. And God says to Jonah, I want you to go here to Nineveh, to this barbarian city, and I want you to preach against it because their evil has come up before me. God is aware of what's going on and he's like, that's it, I've, I've had enough, I'm done with this. Jonah, go deal with it. Now, you think that every, you know, a good Jew would, would love to go to a Gentile nation and just call down the judgment of God upon them. You think this would actually bring him great delight. Yay, God's finally dealing with this evil people. But, but we're going to find out that, that Jonah actually doesn't feel that way about this. But just so you know, the will of God for Jonah is not in question here. Get up. Go and preach against the city. It's very clear. Sometimes in our lives, we encounter decisions and we're not sure what to do. It's uncertain. Should I buy this house? Should I take this job? Should I date this person? Should I, you know, you know have a latte or have a chai tea? I mean, you know, big decisions, little decisions, right? What is God's will for me? And sometimes God's like, just order something, all right? You know, I don't really care what you drink, you know, I mean, in that case. But there's other times when it's very clear. I remember my grade 12 year. You know, you've got to plan out your life. You've got to know what you're doing. And so I'd applied to this college in southern Alberta. I'd been accepted. I, I kind of had a career path chosen. I was going to go there, and then maybe U of A, and then, you know, and, and everything was going to work out. I had the support of, of some family. My grandpa thought it was a great thing and all these things. And then 
Suddenly in February, I'm in Karenport, Saskatchewan. It's minus 30. You know, your hair freezes on the way from the dormitory, you know, to the chapel. And, and, it's, and it's just, it's, a, it's wickedly cold. But in that moment, God, God, God's speaking to me. And he's like, Mike, you need to go to Bible college. And I'm like, really? Like here? No, not here, but just go, you know, <laughs> go somewhere. You know, I was like, are you sure? You know, like, but, but it was very clear that, that I needed to stop whatever direction I was going and, and take a new direction, even though I disappointed people. I'm getting this, you know, the letter from the college. Why aren't you coming to this college? And I'm like, well, God directed me somewhere else. I'm sure they had a good laugh about that at the college, you know. This guy said God called him somewhere else. But this, this is what happens sometimes. God clearly directs us to do something. And here, Jonah, very clearly, arise. Go to the city of Nineveh. I mean, it should encourage us to see that God sees the wickedness and the evil in our world, and he's aware of it. And now he's going to address it through his prophet. God speaks through people like you and me. Uh, and, and this prophetic office was much more significant and serious. I mean, he, he actually gave commission messages through prophets, and here Jonah is, is commissioned to go to Nineveh, preach against it. And it's very clear, this is God's will for, for Jonah. But then we find in verse 3, Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the Lord's presence. Tarshish, you got to understand, in, in the ancient Hebrew, would be like when I was a kid, we used to talk about Timbuktu, you know. Timbuktu was that place that was so far away that you would never, ever get to it. You know, it was, it was remote, you know, so far remote and, and an impossible place to be. It's like, God, Jonah's like, you know, God calling me here to Nineveh, but I'm going to go as far as I can in the opposite direction. They figure probably in the coastal area of Spain, a place where they would forge metal, Tarshish. He's heading in the opposite direction of where God has called him to go. The text is really clear. He's fleeing away from the Lord's presence. You see that twice. Away from the Lord's presence. I've just got to get away from God. I mean, this is not, I, I don't want to do that. And we don't know why until the end of the book, why he's running away, but we just find out God says, go here. And he's like, no, I'm going here away from God's presence. And the question is, can you actually get away from God's presence? I don't know. We'll find out. Is it actually possible that you could escape from God's presence? But Jonah seems to think that he can do it. And so he begins to go down, down, down. Down. You'll see this in chapter 1 and then into chapter 2. He's going down. He's going down. Now, our motto here at New Life is moving up and out in New Life in Jesus Christ. Right? I believe when you're moving towards God, you're always going up. But when you're moving away from God's presence, you're, you're moving down. 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 And when you move down, you tend to, to encounter things that you don't encounter when you're moving up. But he's going away from God. He's moving down. And... Uh, Donald Gray Barnhouse said, you know, he paid the fare. And, you know, when you move away from God, you always pay the price. You pay it. You pay it in full. But when you move up with God, he pays the price. He pays the fare. He pays your way. He, he, he opens the doors and, and the gates for you to, to move forward with him. But when you go down, you pay your, your own way, you pay your own fare, and you, and you pay dearly. He's going to pay. But he thinks that he can get away from God, away from this commission, away from this message, and escape it. 
Have you ever felt like that? I just need to get away from this. I've had enough. I, I quit. Time out. I'm, I'm done. I mean, have you met these people, right? I'm done with church. I'm done with God. I'm, I quit. And, and, I, and I don't blame them sometimes because circumstances of life just seem to be so disappointing or that God has let them down and they can't handle it. So like, instead of dealing with God, I'm just going to run down away from him. But what happens is you never actually get away. You can run, but you can't hide. But he's running away. He's finding a seaport. The Israeli people were not seafaring people. At least when I visited Israel, like they, they, they went on a little lake, the Sea of Galilee. It's smaller than Cold Lake, probably, you know, at least across, you know. And, and I mean, that was, the, you know, the extent of, of their seagoing operations for the most part. They, they hired people to haul stuff up and down the seacoast for them, you know. But, but here, he's willing to entrust his life. He's a landlubber into this vessel because he just wants to get away from God. There's a certain desperateness that maybe you can relate to. Yeah, there's been times I've just wanted to get away, to hide, to disappear, to, to hope that, that no one remembers me. Now, in this day and age, is it actually possible to even disappear from man's presence? No, I mean, you've got an electronic signature. It tracks you everywhere. They know where you are. There's cameras, you know. I mean, it's, it's reality. But even God, it's even more so. He knows always where you are. And as he's in that boat, on the way to Timbuktu, the tar ships, something happens. Verse 4. Then, or but, the Lord threw a great wind on the sea. And such a great storm, a violent storm, arose on the sea that the, the ship threatened to break apart. He almost personifies the ship. The ship's like, stop this! <laughs> Groaning and aching, and, and, and there it is. And you know, The sailors were afraid, verse 5, and each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone on into the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and had fallen into a deep sleep. Probably depression. Probably depression. Like, and you and I understand what this is like. There are those moments in life where it just is so heavy that all you want to do is just crash, close the curtains, and pretend the world doesn't exist outside. This, everything is falling apart. Jonah is sleeping. Now, it's funny. In the Gospels, the Gospel writers flip this story upside down and show Jesus in a boat sleeping in a storm, and, and it's a totally different sleep. It's the sleep of a, a man who's peacefully in the middle of God's will, but here it's, a, it's the sleep of a man who's trying to just drown out the presence of God from his life and, and live in a dream-like state. I don't know if you've ever had surgery and, and been in pain, you understand this. There, there's times when it's just easier to sleep than it is to wake up and, and feel the pain, right? I remember I got my tonsils out. They're trying to, Mike, you got to wake up. I don't want to wake up. It feels like I, you know, I've swallowed two golf balls and they're pressing on my esophagus. You know, let me go to sleep. No, wake up, wake up. You know, same thing, right? He's like, you know, Jonah's like, I just don't want to feel that pain. I, I want to just move away from God. I, wanna, I don't want to do that commission. I want to do my own thing. I'm going to run away. But this storm is coming. These sailors have no idea. They're praying to their gods. They're turning wherever they can. This is life. This is the world in which we live. People are calling out to their gods in the midst of their storm, and nothing is changing because none of these gods exist and are real and have the power to do anything. But the person that actually knows the God who has the power to do something is Could it be sometimes that we sleep while our city enters the greatest storm 
Things are falling apart all around us, and we're sitting in the stern, sleeping. God wants us to preach a message of, uh, uh, not just of, of, of condemnation, but of, of life, and, and we're sleeping. We're drowning out the world. Let's just hide my kids from the world. Let's keep, keep the world outside of my windows. Let me just hide and, and barricade myself in. Let's pretend it doesn't exist. And, and Jonah's sleeping. But God's saying, man, I'm trying to do this work in the world, and I want to work through you, Jonah. And there you are, sleeping. These guys are, are desperate. They're like, what's going on? The guy probably going down into the bottom of the ship, and, and there's Jonah. Like, what are you doing sleeping? You see that? Verse 6 captain approached him and said, what are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Like, come on, we, we haven't eliminated all the gods yet. You know, maybe yours can help us. Ours sure don't seem to be helping us. There's just a lot of irony in this chapter. As Jonah's running away from God, people are looking for God. Jonah's ignoring God. The men that don't know God are praying to something. The guy that knows God isn't praying. Come on, the sailors said to each other, let's cast lots. Then we'll know who is to blame for this trouble we're in. I don't know if you've ever cast, you know, picked the straw before. You know, this is kind of the equivalent, right? So you got all these straws. They look to be the same length, right? You don't know how long they are. So, so they began to, to pick them out. You know, the, the first guy, he's like, oh, yeah, look at it. It wasn't me. You know, and they continue to pick it out. You know, the next guy, no, it's not me. The captain grabs a straw. No, not me. You know, one straw was like, oh, that's kind of close. But as they pick it, and then finally Jonah picks the little straw. It's you. It's you, Jonah. Now, understand, we're not commanded to do this in Scripture. Uh, at the beginning of the book of Acts, they choose lots for the replacement for Judas. It's the last time we see it happen. The Holy Spirit gives us discernment, the ability to make decisions. We don't have to resort to little things like straw picking to disguise God's will. That, that, that's, we're past that now. We, we have the blessing of, of God's word and the Holy Spirit. We can discern his will through, those, you know, through, through the word of God and the Holy Spirit speaking to us. I mean, so, so we don't have to do this. But here in this case, they're desperate. How do we find this out? God uses this and, and Jonah ends up with a short straw. <laughs> a lot singled out. And they said to him, verse 8, tell us, who is to blame for this trouble we're in? What is your business? Where are you from? What is your country? What people are you from? I mean, you're obviously a foreigner. You're obviously, you know, new. We're all calling out to our gods. Like, who are you? And he said to them in verse 9, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens who made the sea and the dry land. And literally, that word worship means, I fear the Lord, the God of heavens who made the sea and the dry land. And they're like, are you serious? Your God is the one who is responsible for all this? And you're sleeping in the, in the hole? Like, what is going on here? And it says in verse 10, Then the men were seized by a great fear, or even more afraid. And what is this you've done? The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them, guys, I'm running away from God. And they're like, okay, so obviously your God is not very happy about you running away from him. And now we are suffering because of your sinful behavior. What is going on here? Isn't it amazing how you think you're just doing something? It's just, it's just my decision. But your bad choices 
your missteps in life do affect the people around you. Even though you don't want it to. No, it's just my decision. Is this me? I'm not doing it. It, shouldn't, it does affect people. And here's Jonah. He's, he's threatening a whole crew of, of, of Gentiles that don't even know God. And they're, they're about to, to, to die, potentially. And, 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 and he's, he's running away from God. It's all about him right now. In fact, it always will, it will be throughout the whole book, it seems, as we get to the, even to the end. So they said to him, verse 11, What should we do to you so that the sea will calm down for us? To calm down the sea that's against us. For the sea was getting worse and worse. Now these are experienced sailors. They, they've been through storms. They've battened down the hatches before. Now they've, they've lightened the cargo. They've jettisoned the cargo. They've called to their gods. They've done everything they can do on their list of, of mariners' last options. In the case of shipwreck, what else do they have? Like, what can we do? And he answers them in verse 12, and he says, Pick me up, throw me into the sea so they may quiet down for you. For I know that I'm to blame for this violent storm that's against you. It's my fault. Just get rid of me. Now, of course, they're like, yeah, this doesn't sound like a good option because then we're responsible for your death if we throw you in. Like, and, and then that God just might be angry at us for doing that to you. And, and boy, I don't want to get in worse trouble with this God, so what are we supposed to do? Well, let's just try harder. So it says in verse 13, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. And they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. And they're, they're just, you can just imagine this Phoenician trading ship and all these men at the oars just fighting against the wind and like getting nowhere. You know, I don't know if you've ever been stuck in like a windstorm where your mortar dies and you're trying to fight the, the waves or you're in a canoe and you just can't get anywhere. And, and there these guys are and they're fighting. It's getting worse and worse and worse. Of course, the closer you get to land, the worse the waves would be because of the, you know, the, 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 the depth of the water and everything else. I mean, it's, it's just not working. This is the reality. The more we fight God's will, the more difficult it will get. And sometimes that's experienced outwardly. Sometimes that's experienced inwardly. Sometimes it's, it's circumstances we face. Other times it's just the internal anxiety, depression, struggles that we face. And it rages in our heart and in our mind. And we try harder and it just gets worse. God's trying to stop us and get our attention. We just keep fighting These guys, he's told them the answer. They're afraid to do it. And so in verse 14, they're desperate. They called out to the Lord. Please, Lord, don't let us perish because of this man's life. Don't charge us with innocent blood. For you, Yahweh, have done just as you pleased. They are acknowledging this God in a way that they hadn't acknowledged him before. They're saying, you know what? We, we're doing this because he's told us to do it, but don't charge us for this. This is your will. We are surrendering it to you. It's, it's ironic. Here it is. The, the, the unbelieving men of, of the story are surrendering themselves to God's will, and, and Jonah isn't. So verse 15, they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Can you imagine that the ship is, you know, tilting, creaking, waves are, are flying in, and, and they can barely stand, and they grab him, heave, 
ho, and, and there goes Jonah, sploosh, and all of a sudden, shoo, it stops. Now, for a sailor, like, that's remarkable, because you know that a storm takes a long time to abate and finally get to the place of perfect calmness, but here the sea stops raging. So, you know, when we read the Gospels and Jesus stands up and says, peace be still, and boom, it stops, you've got to be like, okay, so Jesus is the Lord, because he has the same power that, that, that God, you know, demonstrated here in the book of Jonah. And look what happens. Verse 16. The men feared the Lord even more. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And it says in verse 17 that the Lord appointed a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights. And this is the problem that people have with the book of Jonah. It's this darn fish, you know. How is that possible? And what is, you know, and, and they're, they're missing the, the greater miracle in, in the book of Jonah is not the fish. It's the fact that Jonah's still alive at the end of the book. Because he doesn't deserve to be. I mean, God should have just sunk him right down to the bottom of the ocean and let him, you know, calcify and, you know, decompose. Because that's what he deserved. But God doesn't let that happen to Jonah. He provides a fish. And Jonah's going down into the fish, and, and, and in the fish, God finally gets Jonah's attention. And that's chapter 2, which will be another sermon. But the question is, what does it take for God to get your attention? Not every difficult circumstance you have is, comes as a result of disobedience. I, I'm just making that really clear. The Bible says that, you know, in this world you will have tribulation. That's sometimes you're walking directly in God's will and there are difficulties in your life. That health situation you're in, that financial situation, that layoff, the relational collapse. I mean, you may have had nothing to do with it, but, but it's just part of, of God's work in your life of, of helping you move up and out in new life in Jesus. And, and each of those burdens and obstacles are opportunities for you to grow closer to Him and to, to move up. But sometimes it doesn't feel like you're moving up. Jonah has to go right down to the bottom before he can move up. Before he stops and turns and actually does what God commands him to do. The problem with Jonah is, is often our problem. We, we don't want it God's way. We want it our way. As long as God's way agrees with our way, we're good. and We'll just keep moving, God. But the moment God says, look, that's enough. Let, let's, let's switch directions. Let's switch gears here. Let's switch our focus. Let's stop being so selfish. Let's start giving more of our time, more of our money. Let's start investing in other people. Let's start doing things that are kingdom-minded and not just your own-minded. You know, let, let, let's take it a little further. Let's, let, let's less of yourself, more of me. And we start, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's kind of like me in grade 12 having to change my whole plan for my life. And say, okay, God, I'm going to accept your plan. I, it seems like I'm stepping into a, a, a curtain, and I don't know what lies on the other side of that curtain, but I'll take this step. And, and lo and behold, the curtains kind of keep opening, and he gives me another step, another step, another step, and I'm, like, and I'm still walking in those curtains. I don't have a retirement plan or a, this is my objective at the end. I don't. It's like I'm going to follow God wherever he leads me, whenever he leads me, however he leads me, and, and whatever happens there happens there because I'm just, I don't want to end up in a fish. I'm, I'm following God, you know. Here we go. God is working in your life, and in each of us differently. We can't compare. 
but he wants to take you places. He wants to use you. He has messages that he wants to sh- you to share here in our community, in your neighborhood, where, where you live, or with your neighbors. But how is your heart responding to God's tongue today? When he says, go here, or, or, go here are, you, are you going here? When he says, it's time to let that go, or, or, are you holding on to it? I mean, the, the path of obedience to God is, 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 is the right path, but, but when we say, no, I refuse to obey you, God, I'm going to do my own thing, we always end up going down, and it leads us away from God's presence, but it doesn't lead us away from God's presence, only in our head. God is still there the whole time. And the glory of the book of Jonah is that God's not given up on Jonah. He's not given up on any of us. We make stupid decisions. We are lazy. We're selfish. We have hard hearts and we don't surrender to his will. And yet he doesn't give up on us. He sends Jesus to this world and Jesus ultimately dies on a cross for a bunch of rebellious, hard-hearted, stubborn sinners like me and like you. You can run, but you can't hide. And that's beautiful news. That God pursues us even in our rebellion. When we turn away from Him and walk away from Him and and and, and you know just chide and, and you know are stiff towards towards everything that He tells us to do, and yet and yet He'll still meet us and say, "Come home, come back, return, experience the life that I want you to experience, the life with Me in relationship with Me, moving up and out a new life in Jesus Christ." You can run you can't hide. On some levels, the book of Jonah is, is, is a challenge to those like me that are in ministry to, to heed God's call and to take those steps of obedience. On, on another level, it's, it's, a, it's a call to everyone to say, God is calling you to serve him where you are, in the ways that you can, in the peoples that are around you, and, and, and you need to be responsive and be available to that. Even on a bigger level, it's 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 as God reveals his will to you in his word, are you responding and changing and taking those steps to, to become the person that God wants you to be? Some of you maybe came here today on that journey where you're running. <laughs> and you can even externally look like you're following God, but inside you know you're not. And, and the book of Jonah just reminds you, you can run, but you can't hide. You can pretend, but, but ultimately you'll be found out. And today maybe is the day where you just say, that's it, I'm stopping to run. I'm just going to surrender and follow you, God, wherever you lead me. And God will take you to places that you will never imagine possible when you surrender your life to him, accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, experience the new life that he has for you as you embrace the life of Jesus Christ. God had a message for the people of Nineveh. But in that message, Jonah knew that there was a, another side to it, and he was afraid that, that that other side might get exposed, right? This caring, compassionate, gracious side of God. Like, I want them to get all the judgment, but I don't want them to get the good stuff. And the good thing is, yeah, there's judgment, but with the judgment, there's this good stuff. God is willing to, to forgive to restore, to heal, to make new what was, what was lost, to bring you from darkness into light, from death into life. And that 
is the implications, I believe, for the book of Jonah, for all of us. You can run, but you can't hide. God brings this miracle fish. And, and, and you know, it, it, don't get caught up on the fish. The, 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 the real miracle is that God cares enough about Jonah to not give up on him. If God's not giving up on this guy who was a commissioned prophet who dis, completely disregarded God's will and went the opposite direction, then God's not going to give up on any of you. If you turn back and follow him today. And so I turn you to this God today who sent his son Jesus Christ, who willingly offered his life for yours, a substitute, perfect substitute. And that those of us who embrace this discover a new life, a new journey. And we can get back on track with God, experiencing the life that he wants us to experience as we take steps of obedience and surrendering to his will. And so, I don't, like I said, I don't know who this message is for. There's someone in here that God's like, man, that this is for you. There's something in here maybe that's spoken directly to you in your, in your own journey. You're, you're making decisions. You've made some bad decisions. You're, you're having to make big ones in the future. I mean, understand, follow God no matter what. And I don't think you'll be disappointed in it. Jesus followed his Father's will so that we don't have to experience that disappointment. He did what, what needed to get done so that, so that we can have the new life that was only possible through his sacrifice and through his resurrection. And so here at New Life, we, we focus on that. And what's funny is, even in his disobedience, sailors are coming to know this God. Isn't that amazing? In our failures, God can still use us. This whole group of sailors are, are fearing God. They're sacrificing, vowing to, to, to serve this God because all their gods failed them. But in the end, this is the God that came through. And they're like, wow. As our neighbors and coworkers see their lives failing and their gods falling through on them, their idols not, not coming through for them, are we there to point them to the living God? The real, true, living God. Are we sleeping? Hoping that they're going to figure out their storms on their own. We are here for a reason. In Lloydminster. In this part of the world, on the border city. We're here for a reason. God has us here, not just to kind of exist, but to make a difference in this community. Let's not be found sleeping. Let's wake up and let's point people that are screaming out to their idols and their gods and finding no answers that there is a living God. There's an empty cross, an empty tomb, a risen Savior who can bring them new life that they need, that they're looking for, that they're crying out for. And that's the task that we have. God says, arise, go, make disciples. I mean, that, that, it's a standing order to all, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. Go make disciples. No, not come in and, and teach Sunday school just to your own kids that were birthed in your own families. It's go and make disciples. Increase this tribe. Make a whole family of God from every tribe, nation, people, group, and, and share this good news and this message. This is what we're here to do. And the book of Jonah reminds us so I pray that you would find your, in your own heart an obedient and a submissive and a surrendered life today as you just are, are reoriented with this story from Jonah chapter 1. Would you pray with me as we, as we close and the team's going to come up and lead us in a final song. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Maybe God has been speaking to your heart today about taking some big steps with him.
And, and I, don't, I don't have any as I say this, but I just know that God often is calling women and serve him to become his instruments and dedicate those purposes, Lord. And, 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 and we just, I just want to encourage you today to just to renew that commitment to follow God, to serve him, to, to give him your future, to allow the goals that you have for your life to be God's goals for your life and not your own. And today, if, if you've been that person that's been on the wrong track, you're heading away from God, but you hear God's voice calling you back home, I'm encouraging you today to repent and, and to restore that relationship with God. Say, God, I, I've been taking the wrong steps, and I'm sorry. Forgive me, and I'm turning it back the direction you want me to go. Today, today I just encourage you to do that. There's a, a step of obedience to his word that you've been resisting. Today is the day to surrender and say, I am going to obey your word that I've been resisting. Father in heaven, I pray for this church. For every person that's here this morning, and even from other churches in, across our country and, and the United States, Lord, in each of us, you desire to, to, to perfect your will and to accomplish your purposes through us. I pray for each brother and sister in Christ here that we would be obedient followers of Jesus Christ, that we would surrender ourselves to your will, that we would, would find delight in, in doing what you have called us to do, even when it gets difficult, even when the commission is, is challenging like it was for Jonah. Help us to stay true to the course of what you've called us to. Help us, Lord, to bear fruit in every season of our lives as, as young people, as middle-aged, as, as seniors, as, as children and youth. Lord, in every stage of our lives, may we serve you with our whole heart and discover the blessing. And we thank you, Lord, that you never give up on us. When we fail, when we fall short, when we blow it, when we've, we become lazy, when we're selfish, Lord, you restore us when we come back to you and ask for forgiveness. Thank you for that forgiveness. Give us the courage today to, to take the steps you need us to take. To follow you, to obey you, to discover the new life you have for us in Jesus Christ. And we'll give you all the glory and praise.